going. We're not punishing you all that show up at the right time for the latecomers. You all have special merit badges in heaven on your little vest, you know. I showed up on time for Wednesday Word. Okay, uh, I'm gonna, let's just pray. Would y'all agree with me? Let's just thank God for the Word tonight and we're gonna move right into it. Thank you so much, Father. As always, that's what we always, that's what my heart always wants to just start out with is thank you. I thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you for the gifts, for the calls, Father, that are represented here. And Lord, I thank you that we are able to fully engage what you have given unto us by and through the Spirit. And we're learning about that, Father. And we are thanking you for the precious Holy Spirit who is our teacher. He is here, resident in every single vessel that's represented here tonight. Holy Spirit, we ask you, we draw upon your unction tonight. Thank you for bringing understanding, for bringing light, for moving from our spirit, Holy Ghost, frame of words, revelation, understanding, illumination to our souls, Father. We thank you right now that you would be Glorified and lifted up, Father, be glorified. Jesus, be exalted tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get started in here. And everybody will recall we start, those that were here last week, we started, uh, I started kind of going in a little bit more detail and building on concepts of the Spirit-led life. And we're going to continue going through this. And we started with some foundations last week, and I, I really perceive this, the Spirit of God as just very strongly uh, engaging my spirit in the necessity to continue in the next two weeks with regard to laying this very strong, strong foundation. I think the tendency a lot of times, as in our physical diet, we want to get to dessert. <laughs> We want to get to the sweet things. We want to get to the play things and forget the green things and the yellow things and the red things and stuff like that a lot of times, although I don't. I mean, I enjoy those things a lot, but I mean, I do like me some desserts. Don't get me wrong. And I think a lot of times that's the way things are from a spiritual perspective. It's like you want to be focused on the spectacular and, you know, the things that, you know, are, are you know, the... The flashing and the glitz and the manif- of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, which is wonderful, but you know what? There's a there's a, a a foundation that has to exist for us to understand the things of the Spirit and be able to move in them effectively, and not just episodically. That means every once in a while, but continuously, and that requires a foundation, line upon line, precept upon precept. And so we're going to talk a little bit more and just to develop what we've talked about over the past several weeks. <clears throat> and Ina Rose had the first three weeks in introducing some of these topics. And I'm just going to build on some of this. And so uh, I'm, I, I, would in, I would advise you to go ahead and get the tape from last week. I'm not going to cover any review other than just from a topical perspective. You know, we talked a little bit about who the Holy Spirit was. And the Spirit of God in us being the life of God and some concepts there. The fact that the Holy Spirit characterizes the church age, it's the dispensation of the Holy Spirit that, that the church was born, the New Testament church was born into and from. We can see that in Acts chapter 2. 
And isn't it interesting that that Acts chapter 2 experience began where, began something that the momentum of which carries through to the day that we exist right now. And it should be building. I, I, you know, I was thinking coming over here, how many of us probably look at that Acts chapter 2 experience as almost like this zenith or pinnacle experience of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? And in effect, that was the birth and the outpouring the initial hitting of the garment, if you will, from Jesus, the head, to the body of the anointing that was upon him to come within us and to manifest that life in us, okay? But isn't it interesting? I think a lot of times our perspective is to look at that Acts chapter 2 experience and think, oh, my goodness, tongues as flame of fire, you know, manifest over each one's, rested over each one's head. And the Spirit of God spoke severally as he will through each and every one such that everyone understood what each was saying, but yet they were speaking in languages that were not their own. You know, and it's like, and then they come out and people are wondering if they're drunk. I mean, they're, you know, the way they're acting and stuff because the manifestation of the Spirit was so strong upon them, it had a physical effect on their body, just like alcohol has to a degree on your physical body. You know, we have two law, former law enforcement officers here in our midst. My dad, Ron King, you all have, you all have probably arrested people that were under the influence of alcohol. You know how it has, does it have an effect on the physical body? Yes, it does. Well, I'm here to tell you that the spiritual alcohol, the Holy Ghost, his anointing will have an effect on your body too. Don't get me wrong now. I'm not debasing the Holy Spirit and his potency and the things of God to alcohol. But at the same time, where do you think people got the term spirits from? You ever stop to think about that? Because there's a similarity. I mean, I, the effect, I've never been drunk in my entire life. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what the effect of alcohol on a physical body is. It is. I don't know. I, I've never, I, I don't know that. Okay, but I do know the effects of the Holy Spirit and the anointing on my body. I've had that happen many times. And I've been to the place that I don't function very well physically. Has anyone else experienced that? I've known and seen the effects to the degree that people cannot speak. People cannot get up off the floor. I don't, you know, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm just saying, you know, from a perspective of the manifestation of the Spirit of God, it is supposed to be a three-pole triune being experience, not just a spiritual experience, but it does have an effect, obviously, on your soul and on your body as well. Your whole man is to be involved in this life that we live abundantly in Christ by way of the Spirit of God, the truth and the Spirit together. And we talked about that, how we need to live from the whole man perspective you know, and that we so oftentimes, you know, look at things like that, <clears throat> you know, Acts chapter 2 experience is almost just like this separate experience, you know, in the church age even. But folks, that began an, a momentum and an act, action that should have continued and built to this day that we live, such that these the latter days really should outshine and be more gloriful than the former. That's what Scripture tells us. And it is going to happen, and it is happening because guess what? The, the, the spirit of God, that anointing is made it farther down the robe. Y'all remember that Psalm 133? I gave that analogy in terms of the spirit of God's outpouring upon the body. 
started at the head, that was Jesus, and it hit the garment at Acts chapter 2, and it's been coming all the way down the body ever since. And folks, we're way down the garment now, you know, in terms of, of the effect and the spread of that anointing through the generations <clears throat> and across the world. So we need to live life from a whole man perspective. It's not, it's not that there is the physical and the soulish realm of our employment and the things that we do and making decisions for how we're going to get money to pay the light bill and, you know, where we're going to get gas to put in our car because we need to buy the cheapest gas possible, but we don't want want ethanol blend, we want full gas because it gets better. You know what I'm saying? It just becomes like it's like the total focus a lot of times in life is from that perspective. And then the spiritual perspective in our life is over here, and it gets segregated into our experiences on Sunday morning and Wednesday word if you come. And maybe your quiet time for however long that might be. And I, I'm really, really trying to, I'm really averted from the coining of these uh, quiet times and the things, the words that we apply to it. Because here's the, here's the reality of it. We're always in the presence of God. Do we ever leave the presence of God? No. You know, and I, you know, I shared that last week. I mean, the psalmist of old said, you know, I could go down to the very pits of hell and there you are. I could go out here to the highest mountain. I could go to the deepest sea. I could go wherever and there you are. I could go to the driest place in the desert and there you are. You know, my dad and I were having a conversation. That's kind of what spun some of them. I thought off in this over Thanksgiving and he said, we're always, he made that statement. We're always in the presence of God. And it just rang through me for some reason like never before in terms of changing my perspective and realizing it's not that I attain to the things of God. It's that I have a perspective to realize that the way I access God is by the Spirit. And I am a Spirit first. Okay, I am a Spirit first. And I'm recreated in his image. And if God is spirit, that's how I reach him. That's how I relate with him. That's how I worship him. That's how I am led in, in spirit and truth by the Holy Spirit who is indwells me and relates to my spirit first. It inhabits my heart, my spirit. This temple, this body is just a temple. Then I realized that that's how I relate to him. It's by the spirit. And so I've got to learn about my spirit in order to to make a greater connection. So the reality of the presence of God isn't about us mechanistically doing all the right things, getting everything in order, and then God comes to us in a greater manifestation. It's us realizing that we access a dimension different from what we normally live in. And if we'll learn to, to enlarge the access of that dimension, then the presence of God that's already a right now reality will be enlarged in our midst. Does that make sense? And when we make that connection, guess what? The manifestation of things that are realities there will be a reality here. Does that make, does that make sense? So really, the issue is not one of Mechanism, again, I want to flush this out. I'm a process person by soul. 
I like process. I like A, B, C, D, D, E, and, and D, sub 1, 2, and 1A, and that kind of thing. I like order. I like process. I like to follow that kind of direction. Okay? I'm comfortable if I've got that. Some people, it's like, ah, forget the instructions, man. Let's just get right into this thing, you know? Well, I'm a process person. I enjoy process, and I have to watch out. Because you'll start to make God a process. You'll start to make your spiritual life a process. And here, it's not a process, folks. It's a, it's a relationship. Relationship is not process. And that, you know, I think Pastor CJ, he's been trying to deliver that message with respect to our relationship to God. You know, it's not a matter of, well, I, you know, I checked off this and I checked off that and I checked off that. You know, it's just like he said, what if you approached guys, your wife, from a perspective of, well, I spent 15 minutes talking to her today. I'm good. I'll, I'll check it off tomorrow. I got to find time to do it, but I'll, I'll get it checked off. No, that's, that's not relationship. And that's what, we, what he's been talking about. Well, the same thing holds true with God. So really the issue of the spirit and the things of God is the reality of the dimension where he's at, the dimension where we're at, and making that connection. That's it. We are always in the presence of God. So no matter what we do, where we're at, how things are going good or bad, that connection also, and I don't want to get ahead of my notes, but I'm going to give you a teaser. That connection is not dependent upon you Having to go through a process to get to the place that you've earned that, that access. Come on now. Come on now. How many of y'all are earners? I mean, I am by personality. Lori, raise your hand. I, I am by personality too. I'm an earner. And I like to feel like I've earned something. Does anyone get a fulfillment? By feeling like they've earned something? I do. I'm sorry. I'm just the way I'm wired. Don't make me better than you. I'm just different. If you're not that way. But I'm an earner. And if I just get stuff that I don't feel like I've earned, it's not to me, I, I almost feel averted to it. I almost feel like, you know, you know, okay, I guess I'll receive that. But I like to, when I get something that I know that I've earned, it's like there's some sense of accomplishment in that. Here's the deal though. I don't earn the relationship with God no more than I earn my relationship with my wife or any of y'all sitting out here. I choose to have a relationship with my God, just like God already chose to have a relationship with me. And here's what it comes down to. This herein is love, not that we first loved him, but that he first loved us. Is that scripture? Yeah. Except for I added an extra first in there, so forgive me for that. Herein is love, not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. In other words, he chose and first decided to love us before we ever were in a position to reciprocate that love. You see what I'm saying? So that the relationship, it's the it's an access issue and it's a whole man perspective issue. It's not to be separate. We're, it's all together. And our access, the teaser I was getting to, is as simple as this. When you find out that you're in the soul and focused, and you have to be, man, oh my, my goodness, 
You know, people that are law enforcement officers, they, they're not going around driving in that vehicle constantly in a state of reading the word of God and praying and different things. No, they, they gotta be, have their mind about business. They gotta have their mind in, in, in a place of awareness to the faculties God's given them there and to, to be, and then to rely on the training that they've gone through over and over and over and over to the point that it's just instinct in how they respond whenever they come up on situations. You know, but at the same time, they can, because my dad did this as a highway patrolman, he can give you many, many testimonies about this. As you go along in that process, you'll have those moments that you reach back and you, to your heart and you go, oh dear God, please help me. <laughs> you know, I've got to have your direction here. I need your, your comfort. I need your peace. I need to know you're here with me. You know, making that connection back to the spirit, to the reality of God inside of you. You know, that is the quick access to the spirit. And it's as quick as your ability to release. I'm going to go ahead and step even further. Your prayer language. That is one of the quickest avenues to engaging the spirit realm is your prayer language. Because as soon as you pray in that prayer language, immediately it's a manifestation of a spirit-born utterance. Not, not fleshly, not soulish, spirit. And when you need to make that connection, the quickest connection you can make is to start praying in the Holy Ghost. I mean, I, I mean, that's, if there's one lesson you walk away from in this whole perspective in terms of practical Steps, practical things that you do to grow spiritually and to ground yourself to making a greater and greater connection and a quicker connection to that dimension, pray in the Spirit. I mean, I cannot emphasize that enough. We're going to talk about this later. I'm getting outside a little bit of my notes here, so, but that's fine. So let's talk a little bit about what the life by the Spirit is not. It is not. Everybody follow me. We're talking about things that life by the Spirit is not. It is not only the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's not living by the Spirit. That's not life by the Spirit. It is not only that experience. In other words, I've got it now. I'm baptized Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues. I'm living by the Spirit. I've got that, that life. I mean, I'm moving... In the life of God, in the life of the Spirit. It's not just only that experience. Y'all see what I'm saying? Don't misunderstand me now. Some people look at that and they think, oh, I've reached, I've attained it now. Because I got the Holy Ghost speak with other tongues. I've attained the life by the Spirit. No, you've just now gained the next step toward that dimension. The ability to tap that dimension. And I just talked about that a while, just a minute ago about being able to pray in the Holy Spirit. It is not the fact that you are used by the Holy Spirit in the gifts. That's not just being led by, or being, that's not life by the Spirit. This breathing concept, like you would, you know, breathing physically in order to live. Where it's a constant thing. It's not just that you're used by the Holy Spirit, no matter how frequently you're used. In particular, as it pertains to your gifting. Romans 11:29 says for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. When he bestows his gifts and his call on people before they're even born, folks. David said in my mother's womb you knew me. 
Well, really what that no means is that he has identified a plan for who you are before you're even born. He's identified the things he's going to wire you with. Ron, he knew what wiring he's going to put in you when you were in your mother's womb. In fact, he knew it before you were even a thought in your mom's head, much less in her tummy, <laughs> you know, in her womb. The Bible says he called you before the foundation of the world for good works that he prepared in advance for those. And so the thing is, whatever, however he's wired you, however he gifted, he's gifted you, he don't take that back. He, he doesn't decide that I put an anointing on Ken's life and I'm not really pleased with the way he's acting, so I'm just going to take that back off of him. No, Ken's going to move and live and reap the benefits of those gifts and those anointings in his life if he'll yield himself to them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Ken's living a life by the Spirit, does it, Ken? I mean, I'm the same way. Don't look at me. Don't look at front of house ministers, Pastor CJ, Cornell, anyone else, the worship team, the worship leaders, and don't just immediately assume, oh, well, their relationship with God is beyond mine. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, God's gifted them, but, you know, guess what? They've been given ten talents. Maybe you've been given five. Maybe they've been given five and you've been given one. But I don't know about you all, but the Bible that I read says it don't matter how many you've been given. It's what you do with the ones you get. That's what the Bible says. And it said when the master came back, he was just as as rewarding. He was just as praising. He was just as honoring of the person that had ten talents that did something with them as the person that had one. Am I speaking Bible or not? Right? It didn't matter the number of talents. It's what you did with what was given you. See what I'm saying? And so that's what I'm saying with respect to your use by the gifts or use by the Holy Spirit. That's not living necessarily by just by the Spirit. That's not saying, well, I'm living by the Spirit because I'm used by the Spirit. Or I have this gift or I have this anointing that I move in because God's just given that to you. And he expects you to use that. And he's not going to pull it back off of you. And he's, You know what God does? He works through open vessels. God's Spirit and his anointing is like water. In fact, Jesus said it's, it, it's, it's living waters that's going to come up out of you, right? Rivers of living water will come up out of you if you believe in him. And guess what? Water just flows wherever it's in it, wherever there's a channel to confine it or a vessel to deliver it. So if you'll open yourself and be a vessel, the water will flow right out of you. You see what I'm saying? But yet we've put a lot of focus on the gifts and the calls and the and the things that are in man, and we forget who gave who bestowed those things on those people, and we honor them for the things that God gave them. You don't honor men for their gifts and women for their talents and abilities. Those are God born. You better be doing something with what He gave you. <laughs> you honor them for integrity of heart and character and virtue. And things that have to do with the purity of their commitment unto God to bring glory to Him and use those gifts rightly. Amen? That's how, that's, that's why you honor people. You honor them for the integrity of heart. You know? You honor them if they honor God. That's really what it comes down to. Paul said, follow me as I follow Him. I ain't following people if they ain't following God. Forget it. I don't care how dynamic of a leader they are. Well, how gifted they are, what manifests through them, they better be following God. 
Okay, man, we got to move on here. It is also not, life by the Spirit is also not episodic. That means every once in a while, a couple times here, then we move on for a couple months and then once here, and then we move on for two days and once here. Y'all see that? Remember I talked to you about the analogy of really our life by the Spirit should be likened to breathing. You don't think about it. It's just the fact that it happens as you as you live and move and have your being in Him. That's what we need to seek to do. It's like breathing. You're drawing in the Spirit, breathing out the waste of the flesh and soul, drawing in the Spirit, and it just becomes that kind of a process. It's a respiratory process. Okay, so let's move on. We must live by the Spirit. And really a golden text for this is Romans eight twelve. And listen to what this says. It says, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay, so this is really a golden text, if you will, of life by the Spirit. Because this is the process. This is that breathing that we're talking about. By the Spirit, choosing the things of the Spirit, knowing, first of all, I'm Spirit first, created in the image of my Father. I am a Spirit. I have a soul, live in a body. We didn't do that confession, but that's where we're at in this. You're a Spirit first. And you say, you wake up in the morning, I'm Spirit first. Okay, Holy Ghost inside of me, I'm your temple. What is it? You know, is there anything you would like to, you know, you you want to relate to me? What do I need to do? What I need to know? Pray in the Spirit. Go to take your shower. Brush your teeth. Pray in the Spirit. I'm just giving you some practical uh, ways that you can have this relationship. Things, the way that you go about this. It's breathing, right? I mean, you're breathing. You're taking those breaths, you know. Realizing that because you are a son or daughter of God, you're led by the Spirit of God. That's what this scripture said. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's gender neutral, ladies. And I'll flip that around and say, if you're led, if you are a son or God, you're led by the Spirit of God. Amen? As many as are led by the Spirit, you're the sons. Well, if you are a son or daughter of God, you better be led by, you need to be led by the Spirit of God in what you do. It's just, it's the same truth. And living by the Spirit, it involves the whole man. We talked about this. It involves spirit. You know, we, we would, we could flip over and look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You know, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Well, the part of you that becomes new whenever you accept Christ is not your soul. It's not your flesh because nothing changes there. Amen. Nothing changed there. It was your spirit man that got recreated a new species, a new creation, born in the image of God. And you remember I talked to you about how the parable of the sower or the parable of the Samaritan is really a story of redemption. And how God poured in, or, the, or Jesus, the Samaritan, poured in oil and wine. That repre- oil representing the type of the Holy Spirit in salvation, and wine representing the type of the Holy Spirit in the infilling or baptism of the Holy Ghost. He poured them both in. They're two different experiences, but I think it's interesting to see that they were both poured in at the same time. And that's what I think should happen, really, in a believer's experience. Whenever they receive 
salvation, I believe the wine should be right there behind it. It shouldn't be this like separatist experience, you know. It's like, well, I got to wait 10 years before I get filled with the Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues. No. The oil and the wine, hallelujah, go together. I think in that story, and I, I don't know about you, but I, you need the oil and the wine. You need the fullness of the experience of the Spirit of God. We're going to talk about this. I want to step out ahead of it. But when we talk about baptism in the Spirit, really the word baptism more times than not really in the original language means identification. Yes, it means immersion, but it means to be identified with. So whenever we say that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're just saying, I'm identifying with the Holy Ghost in my life. I'm identifying with what the Holy Spirit brings, the power of God to be a witness. I'm identifying with what the manifestation of that power is in my life, speaking with other tongues. I'm identifying with that. If you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, that's what that means. If you're baptized in Christ, guess what? I'm identifying with him who, you know, who is, was, uh, uh, raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And is seated on majesty on high. But before he was raised, he had to be killed. Well, why was he killed? Because he took upon my sins, bore my iniquities. Chastisement and eye peace was upon him. By his stripes, I was healed. The fullness of redemption there. I'm identifying with that when I'm baptized in Christ. Right? Buried with him in baptism, yet raised together with him in newness of life. You're identifying with that experience. Okay. So the spirit, you know, Second Corinthians 5.17, uh, John 3.8 talks about spiritual birth. You can see the interaction of Jesus with Nicodemus, you know, one of the high, te- the big teachers of the law that come and talk to him. And he asked him, what, what must what I do, basically, you know, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, you're telling me, a grown man, I'm going to enter again into my mom's womb and come out? Well, the thing is, is that Nicodemus is, guess what, focused on one dimension, and that's what he can feel, see, taste, touch. That's all he sees in that when Jesus conveys that, that truth to him. But guess what dimension Jesus was talking about? The spirit. And so he's telling Nicodemus, "Uh uh-uh. And he says, you know, one translation goes on to talk about how you can see the spirit, the manifestation of the spirit. You can't see the spirit himself, but you can see like the wind. You can't see the wind itself, but you see the effects of it. Right? So too the spirit of God. Okay, and then, of course, uh, the soul in Romans 8, 5 through 6. You know, we've... we've, uh, uh, Listen to what this says. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have set their minds on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have set their minds on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So we can see right there immediately that our soul should come into subjection to our spirit if we're going to live a life of peace and life. If you have a lot of storm of, con- of confusion, if you have a lot of storm of condemnation and guilt, if you have a lot of things going on in your soul that is not life and peace, then I submit to you, you are not uh, subjecting or subjugating your soul to, your, to the life of God that's in your spirit. It's not happening. You're not making that connection. You're not putting it under 
And allowing your spirit and the reality of God and his redemptive work in you that makes you as one of his own sons. Hallelujah. Equal in value to Jesus. Oh, now that'll, that'll make a couple religious cows moo real loud. But you know what? Jesus died for me. He died for you. So I'm as valuable as his life because he sacrificed it for me. Amen. That's what the word says. Jesus even said of his own mouth, Father, let them know that you love them as you have loved me. So see, that's life. And guess what? That's a spiritual reality. And so what you have to do whenever you're suffering under condemnation, when you're suffering under guilt, when you're suffering under under things that are just telling you you're not worthy, you don't have a value in the kingdom, is you've got to subjugate that soul and bring it into submission unto the reality that is a spiritual thing. And it comes by way of your spirit. And so then what happens is, is you say, no, the word of God says, just like Jesus said to the devil whenever he was tempted by him. And then you quote what the word of God says over your life. You want to talk about practical ways to bring these truths to life. That's a practical step. That's a practical thing to do. So you have to know the word because it takes the spirit and the word together. And so what you do is, is you take your, from your spirit, you speak out the truth and you subjugate. That means you bring into subjection your soul to the spiritual truth, to the truth. So whenever that condemning feeling comes, whenever that guilt comes, you know it can't be coming from God because dear Lord, he saved you when you were at your, he, he gave Christ whenever, whenever you were at your worst state. That's exactly what the word says. While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. While you were yet sinners, Christ died. You were at your worst, ugly, most stinking, nasty state, but yet that sacrifice was made. The greatest thing he would ever give you was made then. So how much more after you've already accepted that, become a a living, breathing child of God, is he not going to condemn you at that point? (laughs) So the condemnation is coming from two things. The devil and your mind. Your own person. And I got to tell you, a lot of times I think it's just stinking pride. What it really comes down to, and y'all can think about that. But it's thinking that, you know, you are the one that decides whether or not you're valuable. Well, who are you to decide? Because guess what? God made you. You're the pot saying to the potter, what have you made? Uh Uh-uh. Pot don't rise up off the table and go, what have you made? You screwed up here. I don't know about you, but I don't, I, you know what I'm saying? You know, a creation doesn't look up to the creator and go, what have you made? But yet this creation does all the time. We're always doing that. And then the body, I just want to give you one last parting shot on scripture here. First Thessalonians 523. And this really kind of shows you the whole man experience. Meg, this is a wonderful scripture to, to meditate on. First Thessalonians 5.23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole, guess what it starts with first? Spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of ministers will switch those around and say body, soul, and spirit. And that is wrong. It starts first with the spirit. And I believe Holy Ghost, that, that's the unction of, of the Holy Ghost through Paul speaking there to the church at Thessalonica. And I don't think he messed up when he put that order there, spirit, soul, body. Because guess what? 
I am spirit first. I'm created in the image of my father. I am spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. That's the way it always needs to be looked at in terms of the order of importance. Always. Spirit, soul, and body. And look what Paul's praying. He says, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see the whole experience wrapped up in right here and and summarized in that scripture. It's not to be soul and body over here and spirit over here. It's the whole spirit, soul, and body experience being sanctified. That means being set apart through this life, life that we live in God. Hallelujah. Being sanctified. Sanctified means to set apart through and through. That's awesome. Okay, so now let's move on. Talk a little bit about being led. You know, to be led, here's here's an issue. You know, we're, we're trying to talk about build some foundation and talk a little bit and build a little bit upon that foundation about the important practical steps that you can take in being led. But here's an issue. If you're going to be led... You need to know what voice you're following. Or let me put it this way. If you're going to be led, you need to know the right voice to follow. And and, and where that voice is calling from, how to hear that voice. Y'all see what I'm saying? And so we're going to get into this uh, in just a little bit. Well, we're going to get into it right now. So you need to recognize... That each part of your persons, remember, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body, each part of your person, your triune being, created in the image of the Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, He's three in one, you're three in one. Each one of your people, if you will, has a voice. That means you've got three voices that are talking to you. Ron, if if I take a hammer and I have you lay your finger down and I hit your finger... Well, there'll be a voice from your body in that experience. (laughs) You know what the voice of the body is? It's feelings. It's pain. It's, you know, it's, it's pleasure. It's, you see what I'm saying? The body has a voice. It's the sense senses, the five senses. Those are the voice of your body. We all know I've hit my hand, my finger with a hammer really hard before. And not only does my thumb have a voice in terms of sitting there and throbbing to the rest of my body, but it manifests out my physical voice. And sometimes, you know, you can say things that aren't necessarily edifying, you know, and you further curse the situation. (laughs) I don't think any of y'all have done that. Y'all are super spiritual. I hate to hit my finger with a hammer. I really do, man. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so every one of your people, if you will, every part of you has a voice. Your spirit contacts the spirit realm. That's the thing. You realize that you're living in multiple dimensions. You just don't realize it. You realize this dimension that we are seeing, that we can smell, that we can hear, that we can taste if someone brought in some good food or some bad food. That we can touch. That's the physical dimension. You know, our body relates to the physical dimension through the senses. And then the senses translate into the voice of our body that we see in terms of pain and pleasure and things like that. That's the fleshly voice. That's the fleshly dimension. Then there's the soulish dimension. And guess what? The soulish dimension contacts the intellectual realm. 
And the voice of your soul is your reason. Well, I don't like that particular pair of shoes because I've read 500 reviews on Amazon that says that these are shoes, you know, the soles tend to give out after about five months. But these, you know, last twice as long. I mean, that's a sorry example, but you see what I'm saying. That's reason, you know, that's reason. And that's the voice of your soul. The voice of your soul, it's a product of your intellect. It's reason. And it's also that you don't want to know, want to know another voice or manifestation of the, of, of the voice of your soul. Can anyone tell me? It begins with an E. Emotions. That is also a voice of your soul. So anger, joy, sadness, grief, those are all manifestations of the voice of your soul. Okay? And so the soul contacts the intellectual realm. Spirit contacts the spirit realm and lives in the spiritual dimension. Why don't you stop and think about that? Your spirit exists. Really, this is just a tent. Have anybody ever went camping living in, and you, you lived in a tent for a little bit, a couple days? I've done it many times. Ken's done it many times. You know, your body is a tent. That's all it is. And so who's the occupant of that tent then? Your spirit, your soul. But your spirit is the primary occupant of that tent. But your spirit lives in the reality and the confines, if you will, of this dimension, as long as this dimension is alive. But it also accesses and lives in the spiritual dimension where God's at. Hallelujah. All the time. Amen? If you stop and you meditate on that and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in that meditation, you will, it will clear, the skies will begin clearing about how simple it is really to live by the Spirit. Because you realize, oh, I live in that dimension. It's not that I have to earn my way to a place of spirituality that now I have access. No, I live in it now. Right? Yes, yes. Okay, and then the body, we don't need to talk about that. The physical realm, the sense is the voice of the body. We talked about that already. So what we have to do then is we have to, if we're going to be led by the Spirit, then we have to learn our, the voice of our Spirit, okay? And really, we haven't talked about that. The voice of our Spirit is really our conscience. The voice of the body is your, re, is your senses, okay, your five senses, if you will. The voice of your soul, intellect. The voice of your spirit, conscience. And what I mean by that, I'm talking about the inward knowing. I'm talking about what I, as a good Oklahoma, you know, a country boy from Noble County, refer to as my gut. My gut tells me this. My gut tells me that. My gut seems like, it seems like this down in here. That is the primary voice of your spirit. And that is going to be the primary way and avenue by which the Holy Ghost is going to touch and speak to you is by way of that conscience, by way of that inward witness. It's by way of that inner voice. And it's referred to as a couple different things in Scripture. We're going to learn about those. 
But here's the deal. You have to train and develop each part of your man. We really don't have to train our physical body. That's That just comes naturally. We do have to train our soul, though. I mean, emotionally, you have to train to control yourself. Because you ever know anybody that just has no... I mean, it, emotions are an immediate manifestation no matter what's happening. And, and people like that, it's 100% that that part of your person... That part of your intellect, that part of your reasoning process is different if it's emotionally dominated than if it's, then it's not. In other words, the, if you're emotionally ruled and so forth, the center of reason is in the opposite side of your, of your experience intellectually. You lose the ability. If you're, if you, if you give yourself over to emotion, you lose the ability to function well from a reasoning perspective. It's a hundred percent guaranteed. Go down here to the street, talk to the psychologist, and they'll t- give you all the chapter and verse in their books to, that prove that out. They've done it. They've got scientific evaluations on how the human brain works, and so that's why they tell you. You ever hear about road rage? Perfectly good, normal people that murder people out on the road. Why? Because they move over into their emotions. All sense and ability to make a conscious decision for good re- for good things that come from reason is gone because they're so flared in reactive mode from an emotional perspective that they're la- that they're reacting without any any thought. And then, of course, what happens is when you get those people finally calmed down and then back into the place of reason. Has anyone ever? I don't mean you've ever road rage and killed anybody, but has anyone ever had this experience emotionally? where you gave yourself over so quickly and deeply to the emotional process that then when you finally come back and it's and it's proven that it takes about 15 to 20 minutes to come back from that and get back into a more centered reasoning potential, okay? A better access to reasoning. It's about 20 minutes. If you fully give yourself over, it takes about 20 minutes to come back. <laughs> Some people can be a little bit quicker, but on average, that's about what it takes. Has anyone ever experienced a time that they found themselves given to emotion so quickly and so deeply that it's almost like you're out of control in your response and in what you do because, and in fact, you are out of control. And so what you have to do is, is allow that opportunity to what? Take a breath. That what they tell you. Take a breath, walk away, take a breath. Take a breath, take a breath. Why? Because the more minutes you can give to those breaths and walking away, the more that that you can switch back from that emotional responsive side of your brain to the reasoning center of your brain and make good decisions and be careful about what you say and what you do. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Well, that's not very spiritual, but it will help us. It will help us because you identify the voice of your soul. And some people, it's, you know, they call it anger management. Well, really all anger management is, is learning to identify rather than being quickly moving to a reactive position from a soulish perspective. I'm choosing to not to stay here and not go there. You're just training yourself. No, I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to get reactive. I'm going to stay here where I can think. And, you know, we're talking, I don't know why, but I've used, you know, I think it's because I'm looking at some, at Ron and dad and I think about, you know, uh, law enforcement officers, guess what? They have to train to not be moved to the emotional centers because they need to think. 
about what they're doing. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's a hard thing to do whenever you're staring death in the face. But at the same time, they have to get to the place that they're not in this emotional center, everything being driven by emotion. Because they can make, they won't make the right decision a lot of times. See what I'm saying? It's better to stay over in the reasoning side than to get into that emotional side if you're having interactions with people dynamically. Okay, so let's move on here. So you need to train and you need to develop each part of your man. And all parts, every part, your body, your soul, your spirit, they're subject to training. They're subject to growth. They're subject to maturity. But because of ignorance, you know, just not knowing, or maybe we're just indifferent to it. We're not really identifying with it. We really put a lot of the focus in training and development and growth on only two facets of our being, and that is our body and our soul. You know, we go down and spend two out, you know, an hour or so a day in the gym, a lot of us. Or we might go jogging or we might go walking or whatever. Or we might try to eat well. We put our body through training, trying to keep it fit, trying to keep let it grow appropriately or control its growth. <laughs> we go down here and spend thousands of dollars to train our intellect, to develop our reasoning and our understanding in areas of knowledge that, that are interesting to us or things that we need to apply ourselves to. But yet when it comes to our spirits, who we are first, right? I am spirit first, created in the image of my father. I'm a spirit. I have a soul, live in a body. We are spirit first. But when it comes to our spirit, where is the training for our spirit? Where is the focus for our spirit man or spirit woman, you ladies? Where is the emphasis put on growing and maturing our spirit person? You know, I like what one minister said. He said, and it's F.F. Bosworth, but he said that, you know, he said when it comes to the physical man, he said, you know, we we do everything we can to ensure we get three square warm hot meals a day at a minimum a lot of times for some people and then maybe some snacks even. But when it comes to the spirit and maybe even to the intellectual man, we ensure that we have entertainment and things that are feeding and stimulating that. But when it comes to the spirit man, we're lucky if we get one cold, measly snack a week on Sunday. That's the reality of our spiritual intake and focus on developing and training our spiritual man for a lot of people, folks. A lot of people in this church. It's just a reality. I'm not putting no one down. I'm just saying I'm calling a spade a spade. It's like Sunday morning, and that's the only cold snack that they get for their spirit. And then the rest of the week, there's no emphasis. There's no feeding. There's no growth. There's no training of the spirit man who has to be and should be fed and grown and trained even greater than your physical and intellectual people. Parts, okay? And you can look here what Jesus said. Matthew 4, 4, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Well, what bread is he talking about there? Well, he's talking about physical bread. And he's saying, you don't live by just that physical bread. In fact, Jesus uses the word shall. And that is a, that is a, a clear, concise directive. You will not live by bread alone. 
That's what he's saying. You shall not live, man shall not live by bread alone. Matthew 4, 4. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We're talking about spiritual growth. We're talking about spiritual eating. We're talking about spiritual development. And so he's telling you here, you don't just live by the bread that you eat physically. You have to live by the word of God so that your spirit man can partake of the life of God and grow thereby. Listen to what he's in that word proceeds. There is a continual action verb in the original language. It means that it doesn't stop. Just because the words come once doesn't mean that it stops. That word is continuing to come forth. So the process of your spiritual consumption is just like a butler that's bringing you food and bringing you food and bringing you food. The word of God and the process of that being brought to you as a potential for you to consume spiritually and grow thereby is right now always a present thing. Potential. It's always there. Available for us to partake. The spiritual refrigerator is open, folks. First Peter 2 2 says, As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. He doesn't say desire the sincere milk of the cow that you may grow thereby. So we know he's not talking about milk that's physical milk, right? As newborn babes desires physical milk, he's telling you that newborn babes in the spirit need to desire and should desire the, the spiritual milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So in other words, you grow by consuming the word. So that's, that's proving out that you have to feed spiritually. That there should be a natural hunger, I mean a supernatural hunger from a spiritual perspective. There should be that. We've talked about growing hungry. You know, Pastor CJ's talked about that in previous weeks, about stirring up that hunger. Well, he's not talking about your, your physical hunger. He's talking about our spiritual hunger, our desire from a soulless perspective for the things of God. But you have to put that in subjection to your spirit. So he's talking about your spiritual hunger. Listen to what Jude one twenty says, but ye beloved... We're talking about feeding your spirit, about building up your spirit, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That's Jude 20. He's talking about building your spiritual person up. So we see by the scripture here, we're seeing very clearly that your spirit man must be, it can be and it must be developed. And how that process of development takes place. It takes place by the word and by the spirit, by praying in the spirit. And then we see in Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, and we've quoted, Pastor CJ has quoted this multiple times, but here it's talking about the giving of the fivefold ministry unto the body of Christ. Why? For the perfecting of the saints unto the work of ministering unto the building up of the body of Christ. That's Ephesians 4, 12. And then, and, and it talks about what the full, the, the fivefold ministry accomplishes. So we see that again, the process of spiritual growth, development, edification also takes place through the fivefold ministry gifts as well. That's why we need to come to church. That's why we need to assemble together in, in covenant groups or whatever a, a, avenue there is of relationship for those gifts to be manifest. That's why we come on Wednesday night. 
is to receive the ministering of that word unto the building up of the body of Christ, till we all attain unto the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a full-grown man, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men in craftiness after the wiles of error, but speaking truth and love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. That's talking about an entire process of spiritual maturity. And that that... Being coming through an avenue of the gifts of the fivefold ministry to the body of Christ. That's not the only avenue, but that is a, that is an avenue of spiritual growth. That's why we need to assemble together. And then just talking a little bit about identifying that inward voice and learning about how to, how to know what that inward voice is. You know, how do you know that you're saved, that you're a child of God? How do you know that? I mean, you can confess that. You can identify with that. How do you know that, though? You know, have you ever stopped to think about that? Can anyone give me an answer? You know it by what? The Spirit. By the Spirit, because it's a spiritual reality. It's not a soulless reality. It's not a physical reality. It's a spiritual reality, and that's where the truth is at, and that's where the recreation has occurred, and that's where the reality is known and understood. It's by the Spirit. And the thing is, the soul is what is subject to condemnation. It's what's subject to the fickleness of feeling. So if you only stay in the soulish realm and your experiences with God, then it's going to be this constant roller coaster of highs of emotion whenever things, whenever you've been edified from a soulish perspective about the, th- the love of God and so forth to the next time that you get slammed with a failure in your life and then you're back down to the low of feeling like an old nasty worm and I'm not worth anything. And if you only live in a soulish perspective and access the things of God from a soulish perspective, then this, then your, so too will be your experience with the things of God. It will be shallow. It will be, it'll be constantly fluctuating. It will be up one side and down the next from moment to moment because it's the fickleness of your emotional tangents that are dictating that reality so what do you have to do you have to go uh-uh and ground yourself back down to the where the reality lies and that is in your spirit that is in your spirit and you allow the inward witness you allow that inner voice to speak to you Listen to what Romans 8.16 says. It says, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How do you know that you're saved? Because you have an inward witness of the Holy Ghost with your spirit. And I want you to see that the scripture does not say, the spirit bears witness with your mind. It does not say that, does it? It does not say the Spirit bears witness with your physical body by giving you an ooey-gooey feeling. It says that the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Folks, we're talking about how to identify the inward witness, how to, how to know the voice of your spirit. 
Because that's what we have to, we should have to follow. If we learn how to, here's what it comes down to. If you want to access God immediately, if you want to relate with God and worship God at, at a higher level, at the true level, if you want to never make a mistake, yes, that's right. If you want to never make a mistake, learn to follow the inward witness. And folks, I'm not telling you that just because you learned to follow at one time that you're good to go from, from then down on. It's a process. But the more you get tuned into it, it's like tuning in a radio station. Not today's digital stations. I'm talking about back whenever those of us that actually had to tune stations in to get them, you know, on a dial. Man, the generations today, they have no concept <laughs> of technology. That, that you dealt with whenever we were young, when I was young. And you turn back and forth until you get fine-tuned to the great strength of that signal. Same thing from a spiritual perspective. All right, we're going to stop and we'll go on next week and continue on with this. Is anybody receiving anything? Are we learning? Yeah, I mean, I. and if this is old retread for you all, then maybe it's just me that needs to go through this again. <laughs> you know? Um, I know some of us have heard this and have been steeped in some of these concepts, but you know what? Paul said, stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. We need to remember. That's one of the biggest fallibilities in man is we're forgetful. If you don't, if you don't believe that, why don't you look at the children of Israel? They're a model of that truth. Because one day, man, you see the most incredible manifestation of the presence of God amongst them and power on their behalf. And they're like, Hosanna, praise the Lord. You know, this is wonderful. And then, I mean, it's not even two or three days later. And they're like, you brought us out here to die, God. Oh, my goodness. We're no different, folks. We think we are. We're the same sack of meat that they were. (laughs) But we have the Holy Ghost inside of us, so we do. We, we <laughs> it is a loaded deck for us now, man. With the, in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> compared to where they were at, Hallelujah! And that's what we're learning to do: is follow His voice. All right, let's just pray, Father. Thank you so much for Your truth, God. God, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. Holy Spirit, thank you that you will just go right now and you will just establish this word as 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 a prominent. Uh, Seed, Father, in people's soul, Father, that it would bring salvation. It will bring life, Father, into their soul. That, Father God, even when they go to sleep, Lord, that their spirit will stir, will move, and will 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 uh, bring the realities of these truths to the souls, Lord God, and stir up the minds, O oh God, on these concepts to a place of revelation and understanding and the simplicity, O oh God, of how we can live and move and have our being in you, O oh Lord, if we'll just... Subject the rest of our being unto the Spirit and learn how to follow that voice. And we just thank you, Father God, for all that you have done for us, for your great love wherewith you loved us, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. (laughs) 